Have you ever found yourself wondering about the role that Canadians played in old-time radio? Well, wonder no more. During the next 60 minutes, we'll delve into the careers of actors, writers, and directors who went abroad to find work, as well as those who stayed right here in Canada. Join me as together we explore Canadians in old-time radio. and welcome to Canadians in Old Time Radio. I'm Devin Wilkins, founder and president of COTRA, the Canadian Old Time Radio Alliance. You can find us on the web at www.cotra.ca. From our Made in Canada segment tonight, we have a quiz show called Share the Wealth. The episode is from November 22nd, 1952. Gold, silver, dollars. Gold, silver, dollars. Gold, silver, dollars. Money, 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 money. Colgate Dental Cream, pure, safe, white Colgate Dental Cream, and mild, really mild pommel of soap welcome you to Share the Wealth. Share the Wealth means that you at home can win a cash prize every time your studio partner wins. To enter Share the Wealth, just send your name and address to Share the Wealth Toronto. But if you want to double whatever you win, be sure your letter contains a box top or wrapper from Colgate Dental Cream, pommel of soap, pommel of shave cream, halo shampoo, Fab or Princess Soap Flakes. And now, here is the star of Share the Wealth, your jovial little master of ceremonies, Stan Francis. Thank you very much, Time Act. It's all right, my friend. And thank you, dear people, and good evening to you radio listeners at home. Oh, how lucky you are to be in the chair there, nice and warm tonight. Well, here we are. We hope everyone's nice and warm here in the studio tonight, too, because we're going right ahead with another version of Share the Wealth. Same version, probably a little different from last week. We hope so. Mm-hmm. Well, while Cy draws the first number, let's hear from Oscar. Yeah, that's Oscar, and the next time he blows tonight, he'll be worth a total of $337.50 if there's a box top, plus the value of any questions not answered from here on. Cy? You have the first number. I have it all set. Number 228 is first. I wonder who's holding that number. There's a Johnny on the spot, laddies. Thanks. Uh, this is Raymond Doak of Doaktown, New Brunswick. Welcome to Share the Wealth, Raymond. Your air partner's name is coming up. Let's see from what part of Canada cometh your air partners. Mrs. Eva Longrig of 562 12th Street, Brandon, Manitoba. And uh, there's an enclosure from uh, Halo. Oh, see, they're echoing right back. They haven't forgotten that. Uh, All right, here's your question, Raymond. It's a $45 question. $15 for you and $30 maybe won by your air partner. Right in front of the mic here, if you don't mind. If you were crossing the steps, you would, of course, be in Russia. Uh, I believe that's a mountain range there. 
that crossing the Pampa, you'd be in the Argentine. Now, where would you go to trek across the veldt? V-E-L-D-T. The veldt. V-E-L-D-T. On what continent or in what country would you be if you were crossing the veldt? You'd probably have a lot of... <clears throat> many big animals sort of scouting after you, too. I don't mean elephants. Five seconds left, boy. Lions? Lions. That's the kind of animal, all right. Now, you tell me in what country you'd be. Oh, I'm sorry. You'd be in Africa. That's where you'd be. I'm sorry you missed that one, Raymond. I really am. Go over and see Cy, will you? And thank you. For it's pure, it's safe, it's white. It's Colgate Dental Cream, the best in the country. You'll enjoy using it, right? Cy? Yes, Sam? It's time for you to give out the names of the winning air partners on last week's quick quiz. The winners have already been informed of their good fortune and probably have their prizes by now, so if you'll proceed, we'll be very happy to listen. Good night. I shall announce the list of winners from last week's show. It's awfully good of you. The first, no, first, Mrs. A.E. Podolsky of, it's either Vita or Vita, Manitoba. I'm not sure, but I wouldn't offend the good burgers there. Vita or Vita, Manitoba. Maybe we'll get a lot of letters and just telling us how to pronounce that one. Then we'll know. Yes, you will. We right. won't be ignorant anymore. Mm -hmm. That's quite right. <laughs> then we come to Mrs. A.R. O'Reilly. Fine old Italian name. Sudbury, Ontario. <laughs> Mrs. Lydia Morissette, Fruitvale, British Columbia. Mrs. Mabel Chinnery, Kingston, Ontario. Mrs. Harold A. Woodgate, Rural Route Number 1, Smith's Cove, Bigby County, Nova Scotia. Where's that lady from? She is from Rural Route. <laughs> I don't think perhaps I like you anymore. RR number one, Smith's Cove, Bigby County, Nova Scotia. Mrs. I. Morton of Montreal, Quebec. Miss Minnie Cameron, St. Eleanor's, Prince Edward Island. Mrs. David Thomas, Langdon, Alberta. Mr. Albert Whalen, Sanatorium number two, St. John's, Newfoundland. Mrs. Paul Tetarenko, Cando, Saskatchewan, and Mr. William Barnaby, Box 429, Fort McLeod, Alberta. Those are the winners. Thank you, Cy. All right. Well read. <laughs> now then, if you have the next number, we'll carry on. Just because you have trouble with rural route. <laughs> now we come to number 20. Number 20. Oh, here's a lady sitting in the second row on the MC. All right. Thank you. And I was just going to say, I hope this lady's not from Truro, Nova Scotia, <laughs> but it's Mrs. Robert Kane of Marysville, New Brunswick. Good evening. Hi, Marysville. How are you, Mrs. Kane? That's good. You've already said hello to Marysville. Well, why be nervous now? We're very friendly here on Share the Wealth, as you probably uh, have gathered from listening to it, and we hope you have at times. Your air partner is Mrs. D.L. Olton of the Loyal Station, province of Quebec, and there's an enclosure from Palmolive Soap. Now, let's see about your question here. Uh, it's a... Uh, oh, here it is, underneath there. I didn't know where it was for a minute. It's a $30 question. Ten for you and $20 may be won by your air partner. Well, Mrs. Kane, the brisk fall air we're having right now is certainly conducive to football. Now, we don't know yet which team is going to represent the East in the Grey Cup final, but we do know that those energetic Eskimos from Edmonton will be here a-whooping it up. Yes, indeed. It's been a long time since the Edmonton team, or one of the Edmonton teams, has been down East for the finals. The last time here, they were called the Edmonton Elks, I believe. And that was way back in... Uh, uh, will you tell me, was it 1912, 1922, or 1932? 1922. Yes, that's right, 1922. Good for you. My goodness, you must follow those football teams. All right, Mrs. Uh, Robert Kane. Oh, by the way, 
We'd like to invite all the uh, people who come down here from Edmonton or from the West, for that matter, with the Eskimo team to come and visit us and share the wealth on that particular Saturday. We're mighty happy to have them, and we do. Each time the Grey Cup final is played down here, we have a fine representation from the West. Come and see us. Uh, all right, there is your money, $10. Congratulations, Mr. Kane. Go and see Cy. You need have no fear for your finest silks and woolens. Use Princess Soap Place on them, and it will be safe. Names them up wonderfully well. Congratulations to Mrs. D.L. Olton of the Loyal Station, Province of Quebec. Because you had an enclosure from Palm Olive Soap, you double up on the money, and you receive $20. Incidentally, all air winners tonight, like Mrs. Uh, Olton, must answer a question. Here it is. Was Mowgli a character in the Jungle Book or Uncle Tom's Cabin? Put your answer in an envelope together with your name and address and mail that answer to Box 1000 Toronto. Box 1000 is reserved for winner's letters. Quite right. Entries to Share the Wealth should be mailed simply to... Share the Wealth, Toronto. How true. Mm-hmm. Oh, and as you know, friends, our special bonus question tonight is going to pay off for a palm olive soap wrapper, so keep listening. You may win that extra $100. All right, what about the next number, side? Next number is number 39. Number 39. Here's a lady coming from the 10th row. And we have Mrs. O.H. Howden of Port Credit. Well, Mrs. Howden, how are you this evening? Fine, sir. That's good. Glad to welcome you on Share the Wealth here. Your question is a $15 question. Five for you and $10 may be won by your air partner, who is, and nicely typed here at that, Mrs. Mary Yunick of 637 Lansdowne Avenue, Winnipeg, Manitoba, and there's an enclosure from that ever-loving Colgate Dental Cream. All right. Well, I wouldn't say this was a nice question, but I do hope it serves to point out a rather remarkable but sad state of affairs, Mrs. Howden. Would you say that the estimated annual loss of life throughout the world from tuberculosis is 50,000, 500,000, or 5 million? I'll give it to you again. 50,000, 500,000, or 5 million? 5 million? 5 million, yes, that's right, you win. (laughs) Well, now, just a moment. You know... That's a matter of fact. That's, that's right, folks. Five million people are stricken every year from tuberculosis. We'd like you to help stamp out this dread disease by purchasing Christmas seals. Maybe if you have a buck or two left over from that five you just won, you might pick yourself up some. Well, you just a suggestion. Go over and see Cy. Thank you. One very good picture you'll find in Princess Soaplake is they make your dishes really sparkling as a housewife. I know you'll like that picture. Princess Soaplake, right? Congratulations to Mrs. Mary Eunuch of 637 Lansdowne Avenue, Winnipeg, Manitoba, because you had an enclosure from... C-D-C, which is Bob's short form for Colgate Dental Cream. You double up on the money and receive $10. Congratulations to you, may I say again. All right, side, the next number, please. Now, number 324. Number 324. Here comes a chap from the third row. Hiya there. How are you tonight? That's good. This is Charles Doak from Doaktown, New Brunswick. (laughs) You know... I'm beginning to realize now why they named this place Doaktown. (laughs) All right. Uh, Mrs. W.R. Cooper of 234, uh, Macaulay Avenue, uh, St. Lambert Post Office, uh, province of Quebec. Uh, There's an enclosure there from F.A.B. Fab. Your question is a $24 question, Charles. $8 for you and $16 may be won by your air partner. Y'all set? Yeah. All right. Was that your brother who was up here before? Yes. Right. I, this is a family resemblance. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Here's a bit of a mathematical quizzer. As a matter of fact, it's not too mathematical, but it does have to do with figures. Uh, I'm speaking of ciphers and that, that sort of figure, you know what I mean? Um, 
It says here in brackets there should be a laugh in here somewhere. Well, Let's try it again. Let's go better this show. All right, well, try it again. I'll leave the laugh. Everybody laugh when I hold up my hand. With you. Here's a bit of a mathematical quizzer. As a matter of fact, it's not too mathematical, but it does have to do with figures. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a good job they put this notation in parentheses. That's all I have to say. I'm going to give you four figures in sequence. All you have to do is to give me the figure that completes the sequence. All right. 21, 32, 43, 54, 65. 65 is right. Good boy. That's the way to do it. There's your money for Chris, the $2 bill. Go over and see that. It's the world's most popular family toothpaste, I can assure you, and there's a good reason why, because it's the best. Colgate Dental Cream. All right, Cy, thank you. Congratulations to uh, Mrs. W.R. Cooper, 234 Macaulay Avenue, St. Lambert, province of Quebec. Uh, congratulations once again. You received $16, which is doubling up in your money because of the enclosure from F.A.B. Fab. Well, now, Cy, what's on your mind? I mean, aside from that point. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Well, Stan, I have a poem, an honest-to-goodness lyric, and if you'll just shush up for about ten seconds. Oh, you know, go ahead. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Oh, this is a masterpiece. <laughs> Rotten by you. Rotten by me. I mean, written yeah. by you. No, I didn't write it. Oh, I think it's one of the one. This is Cy saying, hi, I'm here to sing a song. Start using Colgate Dental Cream keeps teeth clean and strong. Your teeth will be so sparkling bright that all your friends will say every time they see you smile, it turns night into day. Ooh, well, yeah. all a reek. A ricky ticky ticky. <laughs> oh, boy, that's really something. Well, there's no doubt about it, Cy. Somewhere deep inside you, talent lurks. Oh, I should say it does, Stan. Uh, well, it's just that Colgate Dental Cream inspires it, Stan. And no wonder. Pure, safe, white Colgate Dental Cream gives you complete home dental care. Cy's right, friends. First, Colgate penetrating foam gets your teeth really sparkling clean. Second, Colgate helps prevent decay when used right after eating. And third, Colgate refreshes your whole mouth with its delicious candy mint taste. Yes, pure, safe, white Colgate dental cream is everything you need in toothpaste. So get the familiar red package of pure, safe, white Colgate dental cream the very next time you shop. Pure, safe, white Colgate Dental Cream. It cleans your breath as it cleans your teeth. Ah, quite true. An old friend of Colgate Dental Cream. An old friend, a mm -hmm. good friend. Well, now, let's see what we have coming up here. The Palm Olive Bonus. Friend. Oh, this is the end. Yeah, speaking of old friends, I, I have written a poem, too. Well, that's by all means. Old there. friends are the best friends. Their welcome rings out true. When others pass you onward, you'll find they'll stick by you. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I, I, oh, I think that's so beautiful. All right. Come down to this side. This is supposed to be a happy program. Oh, it's so sweet. Let's carry on. All right. Number 114. Number 114. Who has one? A late, a happy lady coming up from the fourth row, I believe. Yes, the fourth row. Ah, oh, dear. Well, now, ladies, you see the mailbox coming up with a letter in which you'll find the name of the air partner. And this is Mrs. Walton of Toronto standing next to me. Good evening to you, Mrs. Walton. This is, as you know, our Palm Olive Soap bonus question. Now, if you give the correct answer to this, and if your air partner, whose name we'll find out about in a moment, has the correct enclosure, which should be a wrapper from any size Palm Olive Soap, 
he or he, your air partner, will receive an extra $100. And that's very easy to take. This is a $15 question. And five to you, $10 may be won by your air partner. Uh, plus that 100 if everything is equal. I was with 12B last night, Mrs. Walton. It was the annual dinner dance of the TMHBA. Uh, that is a Canada-wide organization or association. And TMHBA means Toronto Metropolitan Home Builders Association. Well, now, before we started to eat, However, we waited on a group of officers and visiting dignitaries who wended their way to be seated at a certain table. What is the name given that table? It's the squat table. I beg your pardon? The head table. The head table, yes, that's right. There you are, your $5. Congratulations. Will you go over and see size? Something they say about Princess Soap Lake that you'll find too. The beauty bath for fine things. And that is for you, Ty, is it, right? Well, I have some good news to shout across the airways here, Ty. Uh, the air partner was Mrs. L. Dean of 328 9th Street, New Westminster, British Columbia. And there was an enclosure from that size palm olive soap. And that means that Mrs. L. Dean of New Westminster, British Columbia gets $110. Congratulations Yay! to her. Was uh, Mrs. Walton finding it difficult to find her way out? Yes, yeah, she took the long way home. Oh, I see. All right. And now, do you have the next number? You know the poem of yours I'm fond of, stuff. Right. I want to take a time for you to recite about the love. You know, there's uh, different kinds of love. But the oh. Are... oh, you like that poem? I like Grand that. poem. It's a there's a greater love in this wide, wide world, greater even than that of a mother. It's the anxious, infinite, passionate love of one dead drunk for another. <laughs> Corner, let's get back to share the wealth. Uh, those classics will never die, will As they? a rule, a man's a fool. When it's hot, he wants it cool. When it's cool, he wants it hot, always wanting what is not. <laughs> I'm just full of them tonight. Let's have another number. And so we conclude the poetry corner. <laughs> now we have number 153. 153. Here's a lyrical gentleman coming up to the mic. Uh, hello there. This is uh, Lionel Vizina of Montreal. How are you? Fine, thank you. And how are you? I'm quite well, thank you, Lionel. Nice to have you here on Share the Wealth. Uh, this name, Vizina, that would have nothing to do with a famous sophia, would you have to ask? Is that so? Yes, Tell uh, us about that, Lionel. Yes, my father's second cousin. Your father's second cousin presented that trophy, is that so? Yes. The Vezina trophy. Vezina trophy. Oh, Vezina trophy. Yes. I was right the first time. Some people pronounce it Vezina, some Vezina, and some people call that place in Manitoba Vita, some Vita. But we'll find out all about that. <laughs> all right, Lionel, let's see. Do you know any poetry? Some of them. Well, let's not do it tonight. All right. <laughs> Margaret McCullough of 482 Westmount Avenue, Toronto, Ontario, is your air partner, Lionel. Now, let's see what we can do with this question. It's a $15 question. Five for you and $10 may be won by your air partner. You know, it's grand to see people from different parts of Canada sharing in Dominion-wide activities. Take the East-West Final in football, for example. Business conventions and, well, share the wealth, for that matter. We certainly have a wide representation here. Now, look at you. You're all the way from Montreal. Sometimes we have people here from British Columbia and away down Prince Edward Island all over Canada. Yet some people think that East and West should never get together. That's a very funny thing. Rudyard Kipling said something to this effect once, and I'd like you to give me the exact ending of his idea, which begins, East is East, and West is West, and... Never the train shall meet. That's right. Never the train shall meet. 
There's your five dollars rover and seaside. Ah, here's a product that deserves a trophy. It's Colgate Dental Cream. Complete home dental care every time. And the air partner there was Margaret McCulloch of 482 uh, Westmount Avenue, Toronto, Ontario, who receives five dollars. Had there been an enclosure there, doubled up on the money and received ten dollars, it pays to get the enclosures in. All right, may I mention again that all air winners tonight, like Margaret McCulloch, should answer a question. Here it is. Was Mowgli a character in the Jungle Book or Uncle Tom's Cabin? Put your answer in an envelope together with your name and address. Don't forget that. And send it to Box 1000 Toronto. Box 1000 is reserved for what, Si? Winner's letters only. Entries to Share the Wealth should merely be mailed to Share the Wealth Toronto. Yes. Hurry out and mail those letters. You might win some money next week. All okay. right. Lucky, yeah. Uh, number 197 is Number next. 197. Here comes a gentleman from the first row. And we have here uh, Allison Haley of Toronto. Uh, I suppose they call you Al for short, do That's they? That's right, Stan. Uh-huh. What do they call you for tall? <laughs> five foot twelve. Five twelve. He's yeah. five foot twelve. I five twelve. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mrs. C. Bassett of apartment 6522 12th Street, East Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, is your air partner. There's an enclosure from Palm Olive Soap. $12 question, Al. $4 for you and $8 maybe won by your air partner. A friend of mine was up north hunting a couple of weeks ago and brought back a deer. Oh, it was a beauty. Yes, indeed. Tell me, does a deer shed his antlers each year and grow new ones, or does he merely add more points? No prompting from the audience, please. Does this deer shed its antlers each year and grow new ones, or does it merely add uh, new points? I well, can they just... shed this load every year. Yes, that's right. They shed them every year. Right you are. There you are. Your money. Congratulations to you, Alan. Go over and see side. Can I say hello to Woodstock to Brunswick? You've already done it. Go over <laughs> and see Fred after reading with Colgate Dental Cream, and that'll be being kind to your teeth indeed. Thank you. You're welcome. Congratulations to Mrs. C. Bassett of apartment 6522 12th Street East, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Because you had an enclosure there from Palm Olive uh, Shave Cream this time, you double up the money and receive eight dollars. All right, and that's the way it goes. Bonus, Dan. Bonus, you're fine. Well, football is in the air, undoubtedly, but right now and at the moment, Oscar is in the air. And that's the big question of the moment. I have another poem. Ladies and gentlemen, Stan Francis has another poem. Thank you. Let dogs delight to bark and bite and little birds to sing. But when you sit on a red-hot brick, it's the sign of an early spring. <laughs> oh, that corn poem. Oh, that corn poem. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Francis is now going into his churchicorian routine. He's dancing hither and yon on the stage. Maybe the ballet and everything. Say, I have a, I have an Oscar contestant number tonight. It's, it's quite an intriguing thing. I can't ever recall calling this number before. Oh, don't you know what the suspenders? Go ahead. What is it? I'm afraid you could do another poem. Do you know what the Oscar number tonight is? Thirteen. Oh. <laughs> Number 13, and who said it was unlucky? It might be very, very lucky to the holder of it. Gentleman six rows down has number 13. Yes, sir. What price not liking number 13? I call it. Oscar is worth $255, or a total of $382.50 if there's an enclosure. All right, Cy. Yes, I need my coat on. I beg your pardon? All right, if I need my coat on. Uh... 
Yes. Okay. Okay. It's better that way. That's how I got mine last year. Somebody <laughs> took it off. <laughs> well, sir, now, what is your name? Douglas McIntyre. Douglas McIntyre. Where are you from, Doug? Finch. From Finch. Finch, Ontario. Uh-huh. All right. Welcome to Share the Well. What I'll do you do? Hello to Finch. And may you say hello to Finch? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Hello, Finch. How's everybody? Well, we hope everyone is... There you are. There, the, the call came through. Everybody's fine there. Yes. Mrs. William Bell of 11231 uh, St. Albert Road, Edmonton, Alberta, is your air partner and business closure from Colgate uh, Dental Cream. Well, Doug, what do you do up in Finch? Oh, trying to farm a little bit. Are you? Oh, yes. Now, you say trying to farm a little bit. Have you run a uh, uh, a uh, general farm? Is it a, a dairy farm, or what sort of farm do you have? A dairy have? farm. A dairy farm. Isn't that nice? Making oh. all kinds of money. Yes, you are. <laughs> all good. Well, we hope, we hope that you, uh, we hope that you keep it up and you make some more money tonight. Maybe able right. to buy yourself a new set of harrows or a disc or something. Good. Are you mechanized up there or do you still have the horses? Oh, really mechanized. You are, eh? Yes. Uh-huh, that's wonderful. All right. I used to be a farmhand in the chocolate factory one time. Good. Yeah. That's, I used to milk chocolate. There was a... Here I have in my hand three Oscars and I want you to choose any one of the three you like. <laughs> Just take the middle fur away. All right, that's always fine. Just step right up here now, and let's get this gang file working through those uh-huh. those thoughts of yours and walk away with the big money here with the correct answer. All right, now let's see about your air partner. I said was Mrs. Bell of Edmonton. Edmonton's been winning a lot of things lately, so uh, we'll see if we can come through with a big win here. Oscar is worth. $382.50. And tonight he wants to find out how familiar we are with the musical world. I'll ask you five questions on music. Uh, you must get four right out of five. No skipping or going back and no help from the audience, please. All right. Doug, here we go. Uh, the man renowned as the greatest of violin makers was... It starts with S. You see many of these, not many, comparatively few violins around nowadays. They're very famous names, all worth thousands and thousands of dollars. These violins. Um, Let me give you five more seconds. How old violinist it would Damn be? Damn thing, but I should know. But I can't think of it right now. Uh, oh, just audience! Stradivarius. Okay. Yeah, you know now, don't All you? Right. All right, let's get four right or right in a row now, shall we? You calm down. Here we go. Here's one that you can take a 50-50 chance on if you don't know, and I think maybe you will. Andante means a slow, even tempo or a fast, jumpy tempo. Which? Andante. Slow, even, or fast and jumpy. Andante. Say oh. fast. Oh, wrong. <laughs> wrong, yes. And dandy, that's slow and even. Well, I'm sorry you missed that, Oscar, but just a minute. Don't go away, Doug. We'll uh, send you away with something here anyway. Here's one for you. It's uh, also a musical question for $15. One, five for you, and $10 may be won by your air partner. Who wrote Chopin's Polonaise? Polonaise. Polonaise. No, he didn't write it. Who wrote Chopin's... <laughs> Come over here. Come on now. Uh, who wrote... All right, well, let me put it this way. Who wrote Mendelssohn's Spring Song? I suppose the writer. 
know who made this fine toothpaste. Colgate's animal cream, because Colgate make it. And it's the best. Yes, it's the most popular in Canada. <laughs> that, that, that reminds me. Oh, dear. Well, we're fine. Thank you very much, Douglas McIntyre of Kings, Ontario. All right, Cy. Uh, what do you say about now? Is it time for our quick quiz, do you uh, think? Yes, indeed. We've got three minutes. All right, uh, friends, and here's the idea. For the time that remains, I'm going to ask some very fast questions, paying $1 for the correct answer. We'll double that to the air partner for an enclosure for many of the Colgate Palmolive products advertised on our show. Since we want to ask as many questions as possible, we won't read their air partner's names now, but we'll do that right at the start of Share the Wealth next week. Okay, here we go with our quick quiz. Let's see who we have first here. This is... Uh, Miss Kay Johnston of Toronto. Miss Johnston, is your surname your first or your last name? Last name. Yes, go over and see Cy, will you please? And here is our next contestant, Mrs. Bogan of, let's see, uh, Noton, Quebec. Your question. When women were granted suffrage, it meant uh, they could what? They were to vote. To vote, that's right. Well, well, Cy, we're a little bit late tonight. Well, don't forget that next week Oscar will be worth... $330, $330, or a total of $495 if there's a box top from Fab, Colgate Dental Cream, Palmolive Soap, Palmolive Shave Cream, Halo Shampoo, Halo Shampoo, or Princess Snowflake. That's right. <laughs> this is Sam Francis reminding you to listen each weekday to Colgate's other fine program, The Happy Gang, for most of these stations. I'd like to say good night, everybody. Come again. Good night. Good night, all. This is the Trans Canada Network of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. From our Canadians Abroad segment, we have an episode of Escape from March 12, 1949. The star is actually William Conrad, but it does feature Jack Crucian uh, in uh, a minor role. Now, Jack Crucian, who was born in Winnipeg, was also Sergeant Mugowan on Broadway's My Beat. You are lying helpless in a rude hut in the deep interior of China, not knowing how you got there or why. And before you, you see the face of a beautiful girl and the hard, ruthless figure of a guerrilla chieftain. And you know that in this room there is danger for you, perhaps death. We offer you Escape. Transcribed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Today we escape to China and the story of a man who lost his memory and almost his life. As James Norman told it in his fascinating story, He Who Rides the Tiger. The figures and faces would come and go. Sometimes I seemed to be floating along with them through endless space, but more often I I could feel myself lying on a hard bed and watching, not moving, with sick and fevered eyes. And there was a big man with brown skin and close-cropped hair, and an older man with a white coat. But best of all was the girl, a beautiful girl. Usually her face would dissolve into a great lotus flower that would hang for a moment in the air and then float slowly beyond reach of my thoughts and disappear. Part of this was a dream, of course, and part reality, but I was unable to separate one from the other. 
How long it went on, it's impossible for me to say. I had no sense of the passage of time. One morning, though, I opened my eyes and looked at the bare walls of the room. The white-haired man sitting by my cot, the other man sitting a few feet away, smoking a cigarette. And then I knew that the dreams had gone away and would not come back. This was reality. Feeling better? Can you hear me? Understand me? Huh? Yes. Yes, of course. Good. Glad you're finally coming out of it. You've been a very sick man, you know. Where am I? Uh, Fengyang Mission Hospital. We're about 600 miles south of Beiping. Uh, that's impossible. How did I get here? I walked in. Dropped unconscious in the courtyard. Burning up with fever and suffering from malnutrition. Malnutrition? But I ate lunch yesterday in Peiping. I'm afraid I'll have to contradict you. You've been here for two months. But I don't understand. Doctor, I... I wonder if I could ask your patient a question. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. It's simply this. What is your name? It's Armour. David Armour. Ah, yes. So you told us while you were delirious. But we could not be sure. And uh, your business in Peiping, Mr. Armour? I'm a member of the International Committee on Chinese Art Treasures. We've been investigating the policy of the advancing Japanese armies toward protecting and preserving art objects in newly conquered territories. I see. And yesterday, you ate lunch in Peiping. Yes, at the Wagon Lee Hotel. I dropped my wife off at the... Adrian. Well, where is she? Where's my wife? Mrs. Armour is in San Francisco at present. San Francisco? Well, why should... What's this all about? Who are you and what am I doing here? Why have I... Uh, Mr. Armour, please. Uh, Mr. Quinto, I, I think any further questioning had better be postponed until tomorrow. Mr. Armour is in no condition for it. I quite agree with you, Doctor. Very well, Mr. Armour. Until tomorrow, then. Doctor, I don't understand. Who is this Mr. Quinto? What does he want? Well, he's a powerful man among the Chinese. He's been following your condition very closely. I, uh, I don't know what he wants. If I could only remember what happened... I've got to send word to my wife, to Adrian, to the American consul. Uh, my, my wallet, my passport and papers, do you have them? Oh, Mr. Armour, when you arrived here, you were wearing a cast-off uniform of the Japanese army. What? You had no papers or identification. There was nothing in your pockets except this. I haven't told Mr. Quinto about it. Uh, it's a little porcelain figurine. A rabbit. Yes, a rabbit. Does it mean anything to you? Oh, I never saw it before in my life. That's too bad. I was hoping it might help you remember. The last thing I remember is that lunch in Peiping. Seems like yesterday, and yet you tell me it was two months ago. Oh, no, no. I said that you came here two months ago. Um, what was the date of that luncheon, Mr. Armour? It was uh, September 23rd. Yes. Of what year? 1941, of course. What do you mean? What are you driving at? Oh, Mr. Armour... Apparently, the last thing you remember is a lunch that you had in Peiping nearly eight years ago. I understand the doctor has brought you more or less uh, up to date, Mr. Armour. Well, in a general way, yes. He told me about Pearl Harbor and the war and finally the Japanese surrender, and the revolution in China and so on. Hasn't helped any as far as my memory is concerned, though. Mm, it's too bad. Uh, let me extend that memory by about 20 minutes. What do you mean? On September 23rd, 1941, 
You ate lunch at the Wagon Lee Hotel in Peiping with a Mr. Ficking, the Far East correspondent for an American newspaper. Yes, I know that. You left the hotel with Mr. Ficking and engaged a rickshaw, naturally. Two blocks away, it was bumped by a Japanese army truck and overturned. You were thrown out and struck your head on the curbing. But I don't your understand. Your companion became embroiled in an argument with the truck driver and a crowd gathered. And when the affair quieted down, you had disappeared. From that time until your appearance here at Fengyang, two months ago, your whereabouts are unknown. But how did you find out about this? <laughs> that is uh, unimportant. I am concerned with what you did after that. A war was being fought in China. The whole country was under martial law by one side or the other. Yet, uh, I can find no record of you anywhere. What are you getting at? You were not with the American or Chinese armies, and neither the Japanese army nor the puppet government lists you as a war prisoner. You were not with the Chinese guerrillas. I was one of their leaders. I would have known about that. So, what were you doing, Mr. Arnold? Collaborating, perhaps? With the Japanese? There would be no listing of your name in that case. They destroyed all such records before the surrender. And you were wearing a Japanese uniform when you came here. Ah, you're out of your mind. Then suppose you tell me what you were doing. Hmm? I can't tell you. I don't remember. What do you want, anyway? What brought you into this? Two simple words that mean a million dollars. Huh? Even when they are whispered by a man in delirium. Tang bronzes. Tang bronzes? You've heard of them? Yes, of course. The only two pieces in existence are in the Buckingham Palace collection in London. No. But what have they got to do? No, no, not those, Mr. Armour. I'm referring to the four Tang bronzes. They are in existence in China. Well, they've been lost for centuries. Oh, no. <laughs> a few Chinese in every generation have always known where they were. We were forced to move them for safekeeping several times during the war. The last time was a few days before the surrender. My men in charge of the job were ambushed and murdered. And the bronzes were stolen. By whom I've not been able to discover. Are you implying that I I learned have... they were being taken to Shanghai. I traced them past Nanking and lost the trail. But they did not reach Shanghai, of that I'm certain. So, why do I come in? Well, from things you've said in delirium, I believe you have seen and touched those bronzes. Perhaps even you know where they are, if you could remember. I want them back, you want your memory back. It's not good to lose eight years with no accounting for one's actions, hmm? Just what are you suggesting? I suggest that I settle all suspicion by a public statement that you are a member, incognito, of my guerrilla forces during the entire war. Then the two of us will start from Shanghai and work toward Nanking, hoping that some scene or association may serve as a key to unlock your memory. When that happens, we both have what we want. I see. Well, there's only one thing wrong with it. I'm not going to do it. What are your plans, then, Mr. Armour? The doctor says I'll be able to travel by the end of the week. I'm going to take a train to Shanghai and hop the first plane out to San Francisco. Mm. I'm afraid you're making a serious mistake. But, of course, it's every man's privilege. At least, I hope you'll carry this with you on your trip. Pistol? What for? Because somewhere there is a person who may not stop at anything to make sure... You do not regain your memory at some inconvenient moment. Had you forgotten about that, Mr. Armour? 
Most of the long train trip to Shanghai was uneventful. I still carried the gun, mostly because I didn't know what else to do with it. But I had only one idea in mind, to get home to San Francisco and to Adrian just as soon as possible. At Nanking, the papers that came on board were carrying the story of my wartime association with Kento's guerrilla forces. Apparently, he'd gone ahead on his own with that part of his plan. From Nanking on, I could hear the other passengers discussing me amongst themselves. And when some 50 miles out of Shanghai, a fat, smiling little Chinese merchant named Mr. Chen sat down in my compartment, began to chatter away about my heroism. It's most remarkable, Mr. Hama, most amazing, that one who served our country in such glorious way is not able to remember a single one of illustrious exploits. Well, as I told you, Mr. Chen, I was injured nearly eight years ago. I've been suffering from amnesia. It was only oh. last week that my memory came back to me. Oh, yes. It's too shame. And nothing, not one single hour of eight years can be remembered. No? All that I know is what Mr. Kinto tells me. Oh, it's true. Whatever Mr. Kinto say is a much less important man, very great leader... A very powerful fighter. Yes, yes, he is. Uh, you know where is Mr. Kinto now? No, he left Yangfang three days ago. I think he went to Peiping. Oh, yes. And uh, your honorable intention, Mr. Armour, they are what? Get a plane to San Francisco just as soon as possible. Oh, it's most excellent plan. Shanghai, very troubled city, very unsettled. Uh, would cause great lamentation in land if action accident uh, happened to illustrious hero of our country. Accident? Uh, well, who can tell the ways of fate? In city like Shanghai, uh, many accidents can happen, even to brave fighter with loaded pistol and coat pocket. <laughs> it's much better you go away on plane very quickly, Mr. Armour. In Shanghai, I took a taxi to the Cathay Hotel. When I started to check in, I got the first of several surprises. The clerk told me that I had a room already reserved and paid for, by whom he didn't know. At any rate, it was a nice room, one of the best in the house. I picked up the telephone, called the American consul. Then I started the hotel clerk working on an airline reservation. Set my clothes out to be clean, climbed into a shower. And by the time I'd finished, a boy knocked on my door with an envelope. I opened it, took out the note. Humble token of appreciation for illustrious wartime services, Mr. Chen. Attached to the note was a plane ticket to San Francisco and a seat reservation for noon the next day. I should have expected the second note delivered 15 minutes later, but I didn't. It read, Please do me the honor of joining me in the American bar downstairs at your convenience. Signed, Kento. But of course it was I who reserved the room, Mr. Armour. I knew you were planning to stay here at the cafe, and I was only too happy to assist you with this more favor. It won't do you any good, Mr. Kento. I told you in Feng Yang I'm going home right away. Hasty decisions are often reconsidered. Anyway, I think you may have helped some already. Oh? In what way? You were approached on the train by Mr. Chen, who urged you, if I am correctly informed... To leave Shanghai at once. He did more than that. He arranged for a reservation on tomorrow's plane. Well, Mr. Chen becomes more interesting by the minute. And did you know that he also arranged to have you followed from the railroad station? I don't care. 
I'm not interested in your game, his game, if he has one, or anybody else's. I'm flying to San Francisco tomorrow. <laughs> what a pity. And without knowing a thing about a period of your life that covers nearly eight years. Well, whatever it was, it's over and done. What's wrong, Mr. Armour? That girl who just came in. The one who walked past our table. Mm. Oh, yes. What about her? Do you know her? I only wish I did. She's beautiful, isn't she? Can you find out who she is? <laughs> of course. Although for a man so anxiously hurrying home to his wife... It's... <laughs> oh, oh, well. Waiter! I sat there with my mind spinning madly while the waiter took the folded bill Kento handed him and went over to ask discreet questions. I was certain the girl had looked at me strangely as she passed the table. Even now, she glanced back from the bar before moving on through the room and out the door. To the best of my knowledge, I, I'd never seen her before in my life. And yet, the face I'd dreamed of so often in my delirium had been the face of this girl. Miss Lady live here on hotel. It's known by name Etoile. Etoile, huh? Ah. All right. Thank you, boy. Etoile. Was she by any chance uh, who you thought she was? Um, no, no, I, I was wrong. I mistook her for someone else entirely. I see. Merely a case of mistaken identity, hmm? Yes. That's very interesting. In view of this note, but the waiter slipped this into my hand when he came back. It's addressed to uh, Mr. Armour, so it isn't mine. But I don't... Why not open it and read it? Now, I, for one, am quite interested in finding out what a complete stranger has to say to you. While Kento stared at me thoughtfully through the smoke from his cigarette, I unfolded the paper and read the hastily written lines. And then crumpled it and thrust it into my pocket without showing it to him. The words danced in my brain. My dearest David, why would you not speak to me when I came to your table? Have you forgotten me? Do the six years we spent together mean nothing to you? Please come to me at once. As always, your adoring wife. Kento probed skillfully, trying to discover the contents of the note Etoile had sent me. But I had no intention of telling him. I left him still sitting there at the table and went to the lobby. Talked briefly with a room clerk and with the antique dealer who kept a shop in the foyer. Ten minutes later, I stepped into an elevator and rode up to the seventh floor. And an hour after I'd seen Etoile in the bar, I was facing her again through the open doorway of her room. Her dark hair lay softly on her shoulders. Her skin was velvet and warm cream. And the subtle scent of an Amir perfume hung in the air like a tender challenge. She was lovely. She was supposed to be my wife. And I couldn't remember her. David, my darling, won't you please come in? Thank you. I, uh, suppose you're... Etoile? <laughs> well, of course, David. And you did send me a note downstairs in the bar. But who else, my dear? I... Oh, it's the old trouble again, isn't it? Trouble? The sickness of forgetfulness, my doctor called it. So often you suffered from it at Suchow, weeks at a time. Suchow? Don't you remember Willow House? The beautiful estate that Uncle Liu gave us when we were... Oh, that's why you did not speak to me in the bar... You've forgotten all of it. Even me. Yes, I... I'm afraid you'll have to bear with me, 
Etoile. I, I don't mean to hurt you, Oh, it but... doesn't matter, my darling. I, I understand. I've been so terribly worried since you ran away from Su Chow four months ago. But now we're back together and everything is all right again. Etoile, tell me, when was it we were married? In the month of December 1941. See, I, I carry the paper with me always. Yes. We were married in the Chinese manner by Uncle Wang. And then Uncle Liu gave us Willow House. And we lived there all through the war? Well, why weren't we bothered, I mean, by the Japanese? Uncle Wang was very important in the puppet government. He was mayor of Su Chao before the guerrillas shot him. I see. Why not come with me to Su Chao tomorrow, David? Perhaps, perhaps when you see Willow House again... You'll remember. All right. Uh, suppose we leave around noon. Anytime you say. Good, then I'll arrange to hire a car. Uh, there is one thing, David. I think it is better you know now instead of remembering later. Oh? What's that? Uh, your job during the war. Uncle Wang arranged it for you. Well? Uh, you translated captured American documents for the Japanese army. You didn't realize what you were doing, and, and we had to live. I'm, I'm sorry, Etoile. I, I, I'd better get out of here. Uh, I'll call for you tomorrow. David, even though you can't remember me yet as your wife, could you not at least kiss me goodnight? Well, uh, I, uh... Of course... Until noon tomorrow, darling. Good night. Early the next morning, I climbed into a hired car and headed out of Shanghai. Etoile was not with me. I had to face this for the first time alone. I felt I was heading into a showdown. Etoile's story was backed up by something else I'd learned the night before. The antique dealer at the hotel had told me he wasn't sure of the significance of the little porcelain rabbit the doctor at Feng Yang had turned over to me, but... He was certain that it had come from Su Chao. A servant let me into the Willow House, and he left me alone in a large room furnished sparsely in the Chinese manner. I wandered about idly, still finding nothing that said to me, You've been here before? Until suddenly I came face to face with a crude poster looking very much out of place against the dainty lacquer screen. It was an offer of reward issued by the Japanese army during the war. The photograph on the poster was blurred beyond all likeness, but the wording was clear enough. $50,000, dead or alive, for the guerrilla general, Hemenes Kinto. It makes rather an interesting souvenir, don't you think so, Mr. Arm? No? Do not draw the gun, you're covered, as they say. Well, welcome to my humble abode, Mr. Kinto, or is it the other way around? Neither, as a matter of fact. Willow House was an undercover guerrilla headquarters in this area during the war. And this whole business of being married and so on was another of your ideas? Is that right? <laughs> I'm afraid so, Mr. Armour. It was a very capable operator, a guerrilla colonel, as a matter of fact. You were never married to her. Uh, come on in, Louis. All right, you've fooled me into coming up here to Su Chao, but what good's it going to do? Can't tell you any more now than I could have in Shanghai. Perhaps not, but my little scheme also involves a certain Mr. Chen. 
If he has not followed you here already, I believe he will do so soon. Then you're putting your money on Chen as the man who stole the Tang bronzes. Is that it? His uh, insistence that you leave China seems to me suspicious. I intend to question him. Couldn't you have done it in Shanghai? Not with his greater freedom. My questioning is always thorough. Well, that's your business. As far as I'm concerned, I'm heading back to Shanghai right now. I'm afraid that's impossible. Etoile has already taken the liberty of paying off your chauffeurs. Etoile? Hmm. She rode up here with you under a blanket in the back seat. She's quite resourceful. Now, look here. If you think for one minute... Please, Mr. Armour. There is an old Chinese proverb which says, he who rides the tiger finds it easier to get on than to get off. Yui, I think you'd better get the gun from our hot-headed friend. A most excellent suggestion. He's in this pocket, I believe. Ah, yes. Thank you, Mr. Armour. And look, General Quinto. He has been collecting souvenirs. One of the little porcelain rabbits, huh? Etoile didn't tell me you had stopped in Sucha to go shopping. I didn't. I had that figurine with me when I stumbled into Feng Yang Mission. What? The doctor gave it back to me. Why did you not tell me these little figurines come from a temple right here in Sucha? They're given out to pilgrims during the annual festival. Mr. Armour, does the name Mei Ren Pagoda, Temple of the Moon, mean anything to you? Mei Ren? Temple of the Moon? Hey, wait. Yes, yes, it's coming back to me. And Mr. Chen, too. And the Tang bronzes. I remember now, Keto, I can remember. It's much less unfortunate that you can, Mr. Armour. Mr. Chen. The gun, General Quinto. Drop at one. Uh, other one also. <laughs> so, Mr. Armour, lost memory has returned. Yes. Yes, I only saw you a few times during the seven years. That's why I didn't recognize you. You were the abbot in the Temple of the Moon. After previous abbot was disposed of early in 1942, uh, Temple Service excellent headquarter for operation of this lonely one. Also a very amusing uh, location being so near to your headquarters, General Kinto. And do I understand that you were a collaborator? Quite so. Among other things, of course... Even Kung Fu Tse say men must live. Yes, yes. I, I wandered here to the temple after that accident in Shanghai. The old abbot took me in without question, and I became one of the brothers. I had no memory at all. was out of my mind half the time. They they called me the, uh, the forgetful one. What about the Tang bronzes, Mr. Arnold? Well, one night I couldn't sleep. I wandered onto the balcony of the great hall of the temple. Chen was there with some other men who were showing him the four bronzes they just brought in. I... I had a vague feeling that they were very important. I guess that's why I raved about them later at Feng Yang Hospital. Mr. Armour, you know what was done with the bronzes after you saw them? Yes, they, they were buried that same night under the tiles beside the seventh pool in the temple courtyard. Mr. Chen, are they still there? Oh, but of course. And in a matter of moments, you may tell location to ancestors. Mr. Chen, by your own admissions, added to things of which I know already, you are apparently guilty of collaboration, theft a number of murders, and various high crimes against China. Have you anything to say in your defense? Only to confess freely. Much less satisfying feeling when confessor holds gun in hand. Then I find you guilty and the case is closed. Oh, it's most amusing, General Quinto. Colonel Letoile, you will carry out the sentence of the court. As you say, General. <laughs> Excellent shooting, Colonel Letoile. Oh, not at all. The range was nearly point blank. Men should be designed with... Eyes in back of head. Man should not try to ride the tiger. This lowly one, muchly favored by having such beautiful executioner. 
Thank you, little Chen. Mr. Armour, you have met it all before, under a false impression. May I now present her as my wife? Your wife? Well, last night I thought she was my wife. <laughs> yes, uh, such are the remarkable ways of fate, hmm? You didn't mind it, did you, David? Well, Colonel Etoile. <laughs> oh, my Jimenez. But come, we must round up the men and enter the temple as quickly as possible. We cannot afford to lose the bronzes now. You're quite right. Louis, take care of the late lamented Mr. Chen. Come, Etoile. You have served well, Mr. Armour. My advice to you now, go to San Francisco at once. To your wife. Your own wife. Adios. Come and see us, David, when we are the rulers of China. Au revoir. I stood there and watched her go, swinging along beside him, lithe and graceful. And a sudden, sharp feeling as of loneliness came over me. Then the moment passed and I smiled at myself. She was only a part of all this these stirring and exciting events. Nothing more. In San Francisco, the wife whom I loved was waiting for me. And Adrian, too, was a very beautiful woman. Escape is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Today we have presented transcribed He Who Rides the Tiger by James Norman, adapted for radio by Les Crutchfield, with editorial supervision by John Dunkel. Starred as David Armour was Bill Conrad, with Barry Kroger as General Kinto. Featured in the cast were Maria Palmer, Jack Crucian, Ben Wright, and Edgar Barrier. <laughs> That'll do it for this week. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye for now. If you've enjoyed the shows you've heard during the past hour, be sure to tune in again next week same time, same station, when once again, we'll listen to programs that are remembered today thanks to the involvement of Canadians in old-time radio. This is Devin Wilkins speaking. <laughs>